think about the names of God. And when we start talking about Jireh, when I was raised in church, some of y'all may be going, what in the world are they even talking about? But Jireh means God is our provider. And we usually tie that to our money and to our tithing and our offerings. But let me just tell you, God is a provider of peace. God is a provider for that circumstance or that situation that you're going through right now. It's not all tied up into money. He is our provider each day. So I think each day we need to get up and we need to say, okay, God, we're dependent upon you to provide. We're, preventing, we're, we're depending upon you, the name of Jesus. And sometimes if you don't ever know what to say, the name of Jesus changes everything. You may not be educated in all of the names of God, but sometimes when you're going down the road, you just need to say Jesus when they cut you off. Sometimes you just need to say Jesus when you get a bad report. Sometimes you just need to say the word Jesus, and Jesus Christ changes everything. So this morning, I don't know what you came here for. I don't know what the purpose is. We're going to baptize. We're going to dunk some people here in just a few minutes. But I'm telling you, we are here to let God do what God wants to do this morning. So let's give Jesus a good, come on, the best hand clap we can give him this morning. He is our provider. He is worthy of our praise this morning. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I don't know about y'all, but I already feel the Spirit of God moving in this place. So we're going to let him do what he's going to do today. How's everybody doing this morning? We good? We good? How about the left side? Are you good? Could be your right. How about the middle? Oh, the middle's good. How about the right side? Come on, one more time. Right? Good? Middle? Left? All right, I feel like I'm a cheerleader at the ball game this morning. Come on. We got something to be happy about this morning. Jesus is alive. We celebrated an empty tomb last week, and Jesus is still alive. And I'm so thankful to be here this morning. And, and you know, the whole theme of Easter was this changes everything. And we're excited about Baptism Sunday this morning. It's one of my favorite Sundays of all. And this morning, I want to let you know why I love it? Because it's a celebration. It's a dedication, and sometimes it's a rededication. We got some people getting redunked in this place this morning. And sometimes, and not, no, no I'm not getting into theology because y'all start, start throwing shoes at me in your religious spirits. We're not doing that this morning. But I got to tell you something. This whole room got baptized this morning. Those of us that were here at 7.30 or 8 o'clock, thank you to Jeanette and Braylon and everyone else. The, the water hose decided to go crazy this morning. There was water all over the place. It was shooting up everywhere. There was, you walking on holy ground this morning. Y'all know that? Woo! So we baptized the room. We're already in expectation of what God's going to do. But you know what? Here's the thing. It never fails that when you're having a special Sunday, the enemy always tries to do something to interrupt what God is trying to do. But I got good news for you today. When he's out there trying to interrupt, that just means God's about to show up big. How many, how many believe that this morning? This morning, I'm going to talk to you about how this day can change everything. Um, I'm going to talk to you a little bit more this morning about the Apostle Paul. And if you know anything about the Apostle Paul, next to Jesus, he was the greatest preacher who ever lived. 
He was one of the first missionaries who went out and spread the gospel of Jesus all over the known world at that time. And, and he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. That's very impressive. I have a hard time reading two chapters of a book, but I cannot believe that he did that. But he was not always that way. Before he was Paul, he was Saul. The name of my title of my message today is, I got a new name. There's some people about to be dunked up in here, and when they walk off that state, when they walk out of here into there, they're going to have a new name, a new identity. Listen, that started at salvation, but there's something about baptism that brings that out in everything. I got a new name. Who is Saul? Well, Saul was a religious leader. Here's what Saul did. He knew the scriptures. He could quote the Torah back, right, backwards and forwards. He knew the law. He knew stories. But he knew about religion, but he didn't know God. Religion sometimes is surface, and sometimes it's hypocritical. It's masked, and sometimes it's fake. Why do you think the world will not listen to what we have to say sometimes? Because they see a bunch of religious people walking around showing their good face and, and, and quoting every, oh, we got a bunch of Facebook preachers that can, that can talk about it on Facebook, but they're not living it. Oh, go on, Pastor Rich. I'm about to have to jump in here in a minute. They talk about it on Facebook and they talk about it on social media, but their life just is not lining up to what is because they don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Luke eleven thirty nine says this. Jesus came and he was talking. I don't have the scripture, sorry. But he was talking to the Pharisees, the religious folks of that time. And he said, you Pharisees, you make clean the outside of the cup, but inside the cup is full of wickedness. Let me just tell you something. It's more than just going to church. It's more than just praying occasionally. It's more than just reading your Bible once a year, two verses a year. It's more than that. God is not looking for religious people. He is looking for relationship people. And when she said that, I said, man, she's about to preach my message here. God is not looking for someone who looks good on the outside. He's looking for someone he can transform on the inside. You may, not know, you may know everything about the Bible. You may know all the stories in the Bible. But you may not know him. He wants to build a relationship with you, and God will do in your life what you will allow him to do. I want to say that again. God will do in your life what you allow him to do. So many times God has so much more for you. He's got a different path for you to go down, but, but a lot of times we hold on to him, and we strangle what he has to do in our lives, but God's got more for you. God is limitless. Listen, relationship people are real. You got any real folk in the house this morning? Come on. Y'all real, right? Y'all don't know what I'm talking about, do I? Y'all get up on the wrong side of the bed sometimes. You cut people off in traffic sometimes. You might even say a word that you're not supposed to say sometimes. Pepper, is, I'm really working with Pepper. He's actually uh, getting really good now riding with me. He has to watch his tongue quite a bit. But he's, he's gotten so much better. Good job, Pep. But you know what? We don't always look good on the outside. This new relationship that you're in is very challenging. And learning to walk by faith is new. I got the best grandbaby in the world. Oh, come on. How about him, G? He's the best grandbaby in the world. And, and, and he's learning how to walk. He's actually run, starting to run now. 
But when you watch him walk, his little his upper torso doesn't match his lower torso, if you know what I mean. He's got these little stubby legs, and, and I watch him walk, and he's, and he's stumbling around, and he, he's trying to go 100 miles an hour, and it is just so cute. But a lot of times, that's what our relationship is about. We're learning how to walk by faith, and this thing is all new. And we're wobbly, and we're clumsy, and we don't always get it right. And let me tell you something, that's okay. Because you're in a process right now where God is trying to teach you to walk by faith and not by sight. Because so many times we want to see everywhere we're going. We want to understand everything God has for us. And he says, no, sometimes you just got to learn how to walk. And trust me. Sometimes it's hard to see. 2 Corinthians says we walk by faith and not by sight. But so many times we try to depend upon ourselves. How many, how many people depend on themselves in here right now? You got to fix every situation. You got to be in control of everything. Oh, you control freaks are in the house. We're going to baptize you later too. Come on. But uh, I mean, there's people that just want to be, they, they want to depend on themselves so much that they end up forgetting about who God is. But listen, never let frustration strangle your faith. He's working on you and he's working on the situation all at the same time. So many times he's working on you, but he's also working upstream to take care of a lot of things that may come your way. But listen to me. Remember, in a relationship, we build our faith. We go deeper and we develop a new identity. We get a new name. But let me just tell you this. Faith without works is dead. You cannot earn your way into heaven. You can't do enough to get into heaven. You know why? Because you're not enough. But when Jesus died on the cross and we celebrated Easter Sunday last Sunday, he said, it is finished. He said, I have already done the work and I've paid the price for you. So I want you to let yourself off the hook that you can't be perfect because it's a process. But you got to do the work. People don't want to hear that part of it. They want to hear, uh, we preach salvation and we talk about salvation. And that's the first step and that's what we do. But let me tell you something else. This walk with Jesus is forever. And it's a daily walk. Sometimes you got to get up and you got to, I said something to us, I made myself come to work today. Sometimes you got to make yourself get up and sometimes you got to make yourself go. Sometimes you got to will yourself and say, I'm going to do this even if I don't feel like it because I told you, sometimes you can't live by your feelings. If you live by your feelings, you ain't getting out of bed. You're not going to work and you ain't getting a paycheck. LGE is going to call you, I promise you. But we have to do the work. Saul needed a new identity. He needed a new name because it was obvious that he didn't have a relationship with Jesus. Listen to Acts 9 here. It says, I'm slowing down a little bit. Y'all can tell I'm excited a little bit. Today, this morning got me all fired up. Acts 9 says this. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest he requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way. Say way. He found there. He wanted to bring them back, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. Here, religious Saul thought he was doing God a favor. You know what? He thought doing all of this mean stuff, he thought he was being, doing a, being a messenger of God. But Saul was a religious bounty hunter. 
History reports he did this. He did very violent things towards the new Christian and Christ followers. They said he burned houses. Like we found out there was a church going on. He came in here and he, and he burned the houses. He even chained people up. He whipped them. He brought them back and he embarrassed them. And he even incited violence towards Christians. Because the Bible says that they were stoning a young man named Stephen. And it says a young man named Saul, Paul, Saul was standing there watching it. Can I just tell you something this morning that you may not know, but you probably already know? The enemy never rests. He wants to keep you bound. He wants to keep you chained. He wants to keep you bound to your past. He wants to keep you bound to your fear. He wants to keep you bound to your addictions and your relationships. He wants to convince you. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. When you go down here, people are getting baptized. And those of you that have just got recently saved, he wants to convince you that God didn't really change you. He wants to get in there and play that old same record in your mind that, oh, you'll always be this way and you'll never be able to change. Let me just tell you something tonight. We have to, we have to change our minds and our attitudes about listening to what the enemy says to us. But these Christ fathers had found the real way. There was a group of people who had made up their minds saying, this is the real way. This is the way that I'm going. And can I tell you all something? It's going to be hard. We're going to have to face some things in this world right now. You may have to look in the mirror one day and you have to face your anxiety. You have to face that debilitating fear that you've been going through. You may have to face your brokenness and say, God, I'm broken, but I know that you are the healer. You may have to face complacency. You may have to... Uh, you may have to face discipline in your life. Help me, Jesus. Anybody need any discipline in their life? Anybody need to get to work on time? Anybody need to not eat as much? Anybody need the discipline in their life? I do, I do. But listen, you may have to face the reality that I do really have a habit. Maybe I have a hang-up. Maybe I have addiction, and I need to meet with CR here on 6.30 on Saturday nights. Maybe there needs to be a realization that you do need uh, help in your life. But let me tell you what you'll find. You'll find that in this new life, your new name is so much better. Saul was about to meet Jesus. He was about to go from educated, knowing everything, to being encountered. Let's look at verse 4. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. And he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? We don't like when we get interrupted, do we? My wife does not like to talk to me because she said, you're always interrupting me. Is that right, babe? That's right. Sometimes I have to catch myself, but I'm the kind of person, I like to have the last word. You know, I like to have the last word in the, in the whole thing. I like to have sometimes the only words in the conversation. But what are you going to do when God interrupts your life? Has God interrupted your life? God sometimes is going to do something to get your attention. Sometimes it's suddenly. Here's a man that was just riding off into another part of town, and God, just like that, came and knocked him off of his horse and got his attention. It says he fell to the ground, and true encounters always make you come to your knees. There's no way to follow Jesus. Listen to me. I'm going to repeat this one. There's no way to follow Jesus without him interfering with your life. No way. 
If, if Jesus isn't interfering with your life and taking you in this direction or that direction or, or moving you back out of that direction, if he's not pulling you from here to take you to there, there's something wrong and you need to let him interfere in your life. Because his interferences and his interruptions will change everything in your life. So many of us get stuck in the same old, same old. We get stuck in what we're doing all the time. And God says, I'm about to take you somewhere else. And we go, oh, stop. No, I'm not going there. But God says, if you'll just go there, I'll show you what I have for you. You know, the Damascus Road was Saul's place of transformation. Let's look at verse 6. 5, sorry. He says, who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Can I ask you, who is Jesus in your life? We tell people to make that Jesus is their Savior, and that's a very important step. But we also need to tell them that he is our Lord. He said, Lord. There's a difference between being the Savior and the Lord. The Savior takes you from your sins. He allows you to have access into heaven. But the Lord has to have control of your life. Hey, he didn't, he didn't want Saul to just be any old preacher. He wanted Saul to be the best that he could. But he had to knock Saul off of his high horse because he, had, he was full of pride because he thought he knew everything. He had to bring him down to ground level sometimes. And sometimes that's the place where God has to get you to that low place, to that place where all you can do is look up and understand that he is Lord in your life. That means whatever is done. I love that part too. He says, Jesus said, why are you persecuting me? Saul didn't actually persecute Jesus because Jesus had already died. But I like this. Listen, that means that whatever is done to God's children, he takes it personal. He takes it personal. You ever stick up for your big little brother and your big brother? You ever get in a fight? You know, Hey, that's my little bro right there. You better not mess with him. You, Tom, God takes personally each and every single day to walk with you, to be with you, to be your guidance, to be your strength, to be that, that hedge around you. The Bible says we are joined in Christ and we are one spirit. That means his pain, our pain is his pain. That means... Our troubles are his troubles. If you're going through a tough time, remember, God is fighting for you. The Bible says if he is for you, who can be against you? You just got to understand that better than a big brother, you got a big God on your side. Oh, come on. Next time you're going through it, you need to tell the devil, hey, I got a bigger God than you are. You're not talking to me the more that. You need to start reminding yourself of that each and every day. Our fight is his fight. Verse 6. So he, Paul, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Can you imagine you just got knocked off your horse? And he's like, okay, what, what is it you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. It says, trembling and astonished, true encounters will leave you not the same. It rocked his world. You're never more, listen, I, I, I stole this one. You're never more teachable than in the midst of transmit, transition and transformation. You are never more teachable in those times when you're going through something and God's got to get you from here to here. But that middle ground somewhere in there right now is the one you're going to like, oh, I hate being here. But I'm telling you something. There's something to be learned in the middle ground. There's something to be learned in the valley. There's something to be learned in the trial. And I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes don't pray God to get me out of this as fast as you can. He wants you to stay there and learn 
what you need to learn. You're going to be a youth pastor at 46 years old. I remember sitting there at that table when he said that. I see thousands of young people around you, and I said, bless your heart. I don't even know if I like young people or not. Kidding, I love them. That's what's made me feel young for this many years. But I can remember times when I wanted to quit. I remember her talking me off the ledge a few times and saying, I'm like, I ain't made for this. You know, I, I need to be talking to someone else. These kids don't understand me. I'm not cool enough or I'm not good enough. But I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes if you stay in that place, you stay in that middle place where God wants you to be, he will bring you to the other side. Because you know why? When we started out talking to high school kids some 11 years ago, God knew that big church was about to be birthed somewhere down the line. He knew you would be sitting here right now. And he knew that he had to talk to Pastor Mindy and myself and say, don't quit, even though it's hard. I'm a, I got you in the middle right now. Don't quit. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. He says, what do you want me to do? And I wrote this down. Sometimes you just got to do the first thing first. So many times we're trying to live a week from now. Come on. How many, how many planners you got? You, anybody got your planner right now? You already planned out for 2029. But we, you know, come on. Some of y'all are already planned out two years in advance already right now. Me, I plan daily, sometimes hourly. Right, Pastor Johnny? Anyway, do the, first, do the first things first. We're always trying to get ahead of God. And God sometimes just wants us to get up. He wants us to go. And he just wants us to listen sometimes. You know why he wants us to do that? Because obedience causes a ripple effect. Look at verse 7. Then... The men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but they saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground. Sometimes you just got to pick yourself up off the ground. Somebody, oh, sometimes there's nobody there to pick you up off the ground. Sometimes you got to pull yourself up, and sometimes you have to make yourself do things. He picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. God may take you to the ground to ultimately get you to the higher place you need to be. It may, listen, it may look like nothing's happened in your life, but everything kind of starts in the dark. The men and Saul, they heard nothing. I mean, they heard something, but they couldn't see it. God wants, you to, wants to teach you how to listen to his voice sometimes when you can't even see it. Every leader must be led before he can lead. If you want to be a leader, sometimes you have to lead. If you want to be a leader, sometimes you got to mop the floor. If you want to be, I'm, I'm, plugging for, I'm plugging for the church cleaning crew that we need on Saturday mornings at 8.30, desperately, desperately. But sometimes if you want to be a leader, you got to put a mop in your hands and you have to go and you have to do what God tells you to do. God had to take, when he made Moses the leader he did, he had to take Egypt out of Moses. 
You know what he had to do? He had to take the pride out of Paul. He had to take all of the religion out of Paul so he could get Paul to the place where he needed to be. And listen, there may be some blind spots in your life. How many have ever almost ran over somebody next to you because you didn't see the blind spot? How many have gotten, never mind. Somebody honking at you and giving you bad gestures because you were over in their lane. Do you know why I have a lot of grace for people? Because I am that guy that's in somebody else's lane most of the time. Sometimes I'm the guy who has to go, oh, I am totally sorry. And they're still giving me things they shouldn't be. Even though I'm apologizing and saying, I'm so sorry. And they're looking at me like, I don't care how sorry you are. I'm still going to flip you off. It doesn't matter. Sometimes there are going to be blind spots in your life. Who's going to help you through those blind spots? Proverbs 24, 6 says this. For by wise guidance, you can wage your war. And in the abundance of wise counselor, there is victory and safety. Sometimes you got to get around the right people with the right attitude to lead you in the right direction. His encounter affected not only him. For the rest of his life, it affected all of those men because he blinded them. They had to take him back. They had to physically go on that journey with Paul all the way back to Jerusalem. All of a sudden, they were on that journey. You will never know what an encounter with God can do to not only you, but those people who are around you. So God speaks to Ananias. I'm not going to read all this. It was like nine verses and too much. But he speaks to Ananias and he says, I want you to go down to a specific place. There's a guy named Saul there and I want you to lay your hands on him and I want you to bless him and get ready for, get him ready for, uh, for ministry. But look at verse 13 and 14, it says, but Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many, th many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest anyone who calls upon your name. But God, you're sending me to get him? Come on, I'm about to go somewhere here in a minute. You're sending me down to lay hands on him? Well, he's not worried. I've heard about his reputation. Don't you know the bad news that he is? He can't change. He's always going to be evil. He's always going to be a drunk. He's always going to be an addict. He's always going to be the thing that he is. But, but God says, you've got to go anyway. God is looking to, oh, listen. God is looking to place some radical encounters on people you would have never expected it. I can remember, and I've seen them, and I'd be thinking, man, I don't even know if God could do anything in their lives. Those are the people that God wants to use to change the world. If you walk up into CR and you know that, that Brandy has given her testimony, you know the life that, that she used to live, and now you know why? It's because she's lived that life. She's been through that life, and now she can tell somebody, there is not death in this life. You can get, over th you can get through it. You can get through it. Sometimes God... He says he's looking for the foolish things of the world to, to foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Sometimes it don't make sense, but you know what? We serve a God that don't make sense sometimes, and that's okay. Verse 14, he said, But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name. 
before the Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. Not only has his assignment had changed, it wasn't just to Israel. It was about to be spread out into the whole world. But the Lord says this, and when God says something, it changes everything. His, bring, his, his, his word brings life where there's death. It brings hope where you feel hopeless. It brings joy when you're feeling sad. God never writes people off, so we shouldn't either. Is there anybody in your life you've written? Don't, no, no, don't raise your hand. Because y'all, y'all, some of y'all may know who you're talking about. But is there anybody in your life you've maybe written off? Is there anyone on there that's thinking of you? I, I want you to go back into your mind right now. Just thinking, maybe some of you just written off and say, ah, they're unredeemable, or I can never forgive them. God says he was chosen to bear his name. Saul was under a different authority now. He had the authority of the high priest, and now he had a new boss, which was Jesus. So verse 17, it says, So Ananias went, and he found Saul, and he laid his hands on him. And he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit instantly. Instantly, something like scales came off of Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. It says immediately his eyes were open, not just physically, but spiritually. Paul could now see what Saul could not ever see. The beginning of the season of development in the dark is sometimes in the dark. It begins there. The seed has to be placed in a dark place to germinate, but that's where growth starts. Listen to this, the seed has to be buried, but never confuse burial with planting. It's two different things. Sometimes God has to put something down inside the ground. He has to put something down deep inside of you, and you have to be in that process long enough to allow that to grow, to allow that to go, so that you can be the light to someone else. Listen, the dark place is not always the end place, I'm telling you. Dark places are sometimes necessary into stepping into your purpose. It's where God develops you. Jesus was 30 years in the dark, but he developed him in those 30 years. God's developing something in you. You ever take the old Polaroid uh, picture, right? You got to wait for it. Wait for it, wait for it, wait for it. But when it comes out, it's fully developed. If you try to put it out there too soon, it's not going to develop. God is trying to do something in your life to develop you, but you are... You're not staying in the process long enough to let God develop you. When God develop you, develops you, your faith muscle starts to get stronger. You'll start to trust him more. You'll start to pray more. You'll start to listen more. And it'll also help you to reevaluate what's important in your life. So many times we got it all, we got it all backwards sometimes. And what God's doing, he's trying to reevaluate what is really important to you in your life. He gives you new vision. Look what he did for Saul. It says in 19, it says, Afterward, he ate some food, praise the Lord, and regained his strength. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days. And immediately, listen, immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue saying, he is indeed the son of God. There was no time for him to waste. Acts 18, uh, 13, 9 says this. It says, Saul, also known as Paul, was filled with the Holy Spirit and he looked at the sorcerer in the name and said this. He had a name change. Saul if you go by definition, was kingly. 
It was asked for. But Paul, in definition, was small and humble. He took him and completely changed everything about him. Listen to me. What you've been called doesn't define you. Someone might have called you stupid. Somebody might have called you ugly. Somebody might have called you worthless. They may have said you're fat, but God wants to give you a new identity and a new name in Jesus Christ. The Bible says the old things have passed away and all things have become new. God is looking to radically change and transform this world. Listen, there's more than a name change. He was giving a new identity. A violent man who was killing people turned into a spiritual warrior for God. He stood before kings. He stood before governments. He stood before the church, and he proclaimed the name of Jesus when everyone else wouldn't do that. This conversion shows God's grace. You know what it shows? That nobody's too bad for God. I said that a few weeks ago. Nobody's too bad for God. God can redeem anyone if they're willing to be redeemed. Jesus offers salvation to everyone regardless of your past. And Jesus can and will use anything or anyone possible to fulfill the mission that he's on. Let me ask you this. What could God do with your life? What could God do with you? If you decided to move away from what you want, if you decided to, to, to try to follow the things that he wants, what, could, he, could he not do miracles in your life? God wants to take us from experiences to encounters. You come into church and you get goosebumps because they sing your favorite song. Nothing wrong with that. That's awesome. But you come in and you get the... Ah, oh, the good feelings, and then you leave at 1230, and things are not changed in your life. God wants to take you from experiences to encounter. What does an encounter mean? It's totally different. It means to meet up with an extra, in an extraordinary way, and it's not anything ordinary. How do you know if you've been encountered? Listen, encountered people have a genuine conversion. It's something that happens, and you know it. Have you ever been around that person, and you knew who they used to be and who they are now, and you say, ah, that can only be God. I remember him. That can only be God. And I've had people say that about me. I remember talking to a friend of mine after I'd gotten uh, back in church a few years ago, and, man, I used to rip and run with him, and, oh, I won't even tell you all the stuff we did because I'd have to get baptized again just by thinking about it. But I remember talking to him on the phone, and he was like, who is this guy? I didn't even recognize him. God wants to take you from darkness to light, and you'll never receive your vision, your eyes, until you actually see who Jesus really is. God is looking to see the change from the inside out, and an inward transformation always produces an outward change, or it should. When God's doing something on the inside, it should show up on the outside. Encounter people, understand, and receive forgiveness. That's what these people, they've understood that God is good, that he's forgiven them of their sins, and they're taking that next step in what the journey looks like. So I'm gonna release those people that are now gonna be baptized. And as they get up and walk out of here, I want you to give them a hand clap because 
God is doing amazing, amazing things right now in their lives. Praise the Lord. We get ready to baptize them. We're gonna witness God encountering their lives. We're gonna witness God transforming their lives. If y'all would stand with me this morning. I just wanna let you know this is your day. Whatever you came in here looking for, God's got the answer for it. This is your day. It could be a new day. Maybe you've been walking with Jesus forever and you just need a fresh start. This is your day. Your new life can start today. But listen, if you've never given your heart to Jesus, you've never accepted him, listen, as I said last week, he went to the cross for you. He died for you. He took the sins of the world just for you. If you've never accepted Jesus, if everybody would just bow their heads and close their eyes just for the comfortability, if that's a word, the people next to you. If you've never accepted Jesus as your savior, on the count of three, I'm gonna ask you to receive that gift of salvation through Jesus. I'm gonna ask you if you would raise your hand. Then I'm also gonna ask you boldly to step out. We got the prayer team on the left and the right over here that wants to pray with you, wants to agree with you. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow, not next week, because the Bible says you're not promised tomorrow. You don't know what's gonna happen when you walk out this door. It also says to confess with your mouth, and you say, God, I've sinned. Please forgive me. It also says to believe in your heart that he died for you. Believe that he's the son of God and take control of my life. If anyone out there would like to give their heart to Jesus this morning, if you would, just lift up your hands. It's a, it's a sign of surrender to God. It's a sign of surrender to God. I see that hand. I see that hand. I'm gonna ask you, as I get ready to sing this song, if you would, if you've prayed that prayer and you believe in your heart, the Bible says you, you're saved. But it also could be, sometimes there's a trip that you make down an aisle to talk to someone that makes a significant difference in your life. And if you've made that commitment, if you would, fill out that Connect card. You know why? It ain't just because we can have your information. We want to take you through the next steps. We want to be able to help you go through this journey. So this morning, as we get ready to baptize, if you would like to rededicate your life to Jesus, maybe you just want to recommit, these altars and the prayer team are here.